Well, shit the bed, everyone, and welcome to your Wednesday edition of Conversation with Shubby Green. I am your host, the main man, Shubby Green. Swig a tea out of my glass for the work of man. Oh, that's good tea right there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, man. So, what we got to talk about today? We're going to talk about, we have, as I said on my Facebook post that I posted on Tuesday morning, that we are going to talk about, co- we're going to give you, I'm going to give you a full spoiler review of Cocaine Bear. I'm going to talk about, um... <clears throat> talk about the Jake Roberts documentary on A&E and we're going to talk about <coughs> excuse me we're going to talk about the um, Jake Paul and Tommy Fury fight so three really things to talk about today um, also I want to thank everybody who listened to the show last week I got some feedback on that um, pissed off a couple Marvel fans with my opinion but I really don't care and the bonus episode uh, that you guys got you guys really enjoy that from what I've heard um so what's going? What's what's new in the world of Shelby Green right now? A lot of good things. Getting ready for school, and obviously on March twentieth, I'm heading back to community college to pursue my great degree in liberal arts, aka communications. Working on that. Um, just doing my thing, man, and just hanging out and just you know taking day by day on things. That's all you can do. Once again, um, I really appreciate the uh, the support and good things are happening now. So. As everybody knows, um, I've been teasing new ideas on the podcast, been come up with new solutions or whatever, and I have stated a thousand, thousand times that I am coming out with a YouTube channel, and at the end of the year, I'm going to drop a Twitch channel for gaming. Um, I've been asked, what would the YouTube channel be about? Well, obviously, you guys know that YouTube is really used for a lot of platforms, Um Obviously, I couldn't. Um, I could review wrestling on there, but I probably wouldn't do that. What I would do more than anything is, I would do a my my the YouTube channel will strictly be about movie and television releases and me doing full reviews on them to the point where I'm like, whatever, that would be my thing. So obviously, the podcasting thing will go away with the movie reviews. It would be strictly that would be something I take about the podcast. Would be something would be more of would be strictly more about wrestling. Um, having guests on, maybe I have a, a movie review <clears throat> review every once in a while, but it would be more about that. So that would change things. Um, the Twitch channel obviously would be about gaming, and we all know what that would do, uh, what that does. But um, I've also been um, been asked, and I had a person a person a person text me this the other day asking me this question if I would ever consider um, having a co-host. I have considered having a co-host. But my thing is with my schedule and everything else, it's kind of hard right now because I think my girlfriend would be a great co-host. I think she's really good. She's got really good people skills, even though she doesn't like talking to a lot of people. She'll tell you that. But she's got really good people skills. So as I take a drink out of my tea real quick. Yeah. By the way, um, living out here in Greenwood, Indiana, on the south side, I, I, I go out to my family. My, my family lives on the uh, outside my girlfriend's family. My my dad's family, my side of the family. Ugh, I can't even talk this morning. <laughs> my family is lives on the west side of Indianapolis, and basically, we we I went to my little brother's basketball game last night. Me and my stepson we went to the game. You know, it is what it is. Went to the game, came back. We stopped at Raising Canes out there in Avon. I will let you know this. Raising Canes, you hear this? Love your presentation. I love a lot of things about your food. But here's one thing I gotta say. You better thank God for that cane sauce because you got some fucking non-season ass chicken, man. Like seriously, like 
Can we? Can you put a little garlic powder or a little onion powder in your damn chicken? Have come out with a spicy one at least. Jesus Christ, man! Like it comes to the point where I'm just like, Canes, can you please like, just like give me, like look. I mean, I'm, I, I got it right here. Like y'all, like if you hear this thing, like get the, you got this. The cane sauce saves your shit. There's more seasoning, damn sauce on your damn bread for your chicken. Fries are good and that bread is good. Your coleslaw is solid when it's when it's ice cold. Yeah, but man, like. Come on, man. Shit. <clears throat> All right. So let's get into the... Uh, we got a three-course meal, basically, for this. We got the entree, the dinner, and then we got dessert. Basically, that's why I'm serving this up. So obviously, the appetizer, the entre the, the appetizer for this will be cocaine bear. And then I'll move on to the, the main... The, the dinner, which is the Jake Roberts thing. And then documentary. And then, of course, I'm going to play uh, some clips of Jake Roberts and express why I love Jake so much as, a, as, a, as a, a wrestler and why I admire him from getting his life together as I talk about that. And um, and then, of course, I'll serve you up some dessert with the Jake Paul and Tommy Fury fight. And I got some post-fight thoughts on that, too, as well with some other, bullshit, some other things about it. But anyway, so Cocaine Bear is a 2023 American comedy horror film. Directed and produced by Elizabeth Banks, the Elizabeth Banks, who has been in Bright Bird, Zach and Mary makes a porno. Um, I'm looking up poor stuff. She's been in the, you know, Pitch Perfect, uh, Pittsburgh series. She was in the Hunger Games. Uh, <clears throat> she also wrote, produced, and starred in the the Charlie Angels 2019 uh, adaptation. But I've always been a fan of her. I've always thought she was funny. She's um. One of those people that you look at her like, oh, that's the girl from here or there, blah, 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 blah. She also was in the Power Rangers movie that came out in 2017. Believe it or not. Now, I will state this. Going into this Cocaine Bear, I had no idea what this was about. I first saw it, I thought, okay, this is going to be a low-budget horror movie that's coming out and whatever. And then I found out as I read, I said, wait a minute, cocaine bear. And I looked up and I said, Oh, I've heard this story before about the bear that the bear in the eighties that ingested a lot of cocaine and went crazy and ended up dying. And it's now on display in a, a Lexington, Kentucky museum at, you know, a stuff like it's killed and got stuffed and they put it up in a, a museum. Now the story, it's like a love, it's, it, it did happen, but there's a lot of stories about the bear where there's a lot of legend with it. Like, did it, it kill this many people, but it didn't kill anybody. It didn't really adjust as much cocaine, but it did adjust. It, it, there's a lot of legend talk with it. You can look up the story for yourself. So while this is based on a true event of a story, it, this, this is very exaggerated, but it is Hollywood for talking about. So, basically, this is the cast we got in this. And I'm going to read you the cast right now. Carrie Russell is Sari, who is, you know, she's been around for a while. She's been, uh, everybody, if you watched Americans, if I said it, see, she's also been in Rise of Skywalker. She's been in Dawn of Planet of the Eggs. We Were Soldiers. She was in Honey, I Blew Up a Kid. I mean, she's been around. She's been around. Um, then you got O'Shea Jackson Jr., a.k.a. the son of Ice Cube in this. Alden, Alden uh, Anahark as uh, as a, as uh, ugh, as Fred as Eddie who played Han Solo in the uh, obviously the Han Solo uh, Origins movie that came out years ago. 
Christian Convery is Henry. Uh, Brooklyn Price is Dee Dee, which is the little girl in this. But you got, uh, excuse me, I can't even talk. You uh, you got Margot Martin as Ranger Liz, who is fucking hilarious in this. Um, there's just a, a really, and of course you got the right, the late great Ray Liotta, Ray Liotta in this, and he is obviously everybody knows no longer with us. He passed away last year, and Ray obviously is known for playing Henry Hill in the classic Goodfellas. So I saw the cast. That's what caught me going. I said, okay, we got this. Then I found Elizabeth Bank was directing it. And I'll be honest, Elizabeth Bank as a director has been hit or miss on some things. But I was like, well, maybe we can we can do this, and maybe they can do this and make this work. <clears throat> and, of course, there is legitimacy because they found out... <clears throat> And we found what well, we they, they and we found out that she was gonna do this film. Everybody was like kind of getting a little buzz about it. as the film got released and more stuff came out. And they found out what was going on. As I was reading some, that's why I paused. That she was directing this, and everybody was talking about it, like, is it is it gonna be a good film? What do we expect? And a lot of people didn't know about it to the point I was sitting there thinking like, what's well, just whatever. And then I was as it got closer, I wasn't even gonna watch it. I was just gonna wait till it came on. Um, uh, came on, <clears throat> came on, <clears throat> excuse me, throat's <clears throat> congested, but I was going to come on, um, I was going to wait till it came on, um, on demand or like Amazon Prime and rent it. And then my stepson, Adrian was like, can we go see Cocaine Bear? Can we go see Cocaine Bear? Now I will remind you that he is 10 years old and he has watched horror films. But I thought, eh, this could be a little too much with coke with drugs involved and shit. And then I started thinking more and more about him, like, man, you know what? He he wants to see it. You know, I, I've been there. I was at that age. He's a good kid. He's got A.B. honor rolls. A.B. honor rolls in school. I said, you know what? I might as well reward him. So I decided to take him to go see it. Of course, I texted his mother, and she was like, yeah, go ahead. I don't care. You know, just make sure, you know, is there anything, you know, anything in it? So as we start out, we, uh, me and a little man go to the theater that night. We go to the theater, and I get we get our food and stuff, and we're getting raced it down. And as the more and more I started, I I went to it. I was sitting in the theater and I was watching the previous thing. I'm like, I think this is gonna. And I started. I saw the reviews more, like the, the non-spoiler reviews, and I thought this could be really good. This could. This has the opportunity to be really good. So, film starts out opening Universal. Blah 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 blah. Right, was it Universal Pictures? Yeah, it was Universal Pictures. And basically opens up to 1985. A drug smuggler who was actually Andrew C. Thornton II is on a plane. And you see him. He's listening to some 80s rock music. And I'm sitting there and like, okay, we're kicking this thing off in a good notion. And he's throwing these bags of coke out the fucking, just throwing them out. Just throwing them. And, you know, and he's snorting some shit. And he, he goes to take off. And he's going to... And he goes, as he's throwing out, he takes a couple bags and he jumps them, he puts it on his back and he's going to parachute himself. And basically what happens is, as he goes to jump out, he knocks himself unconscious on the doorframe and he falls to his death. So as the man falls to his death, we laugh. But here's the thing, guys. Andrew C. Thornton was actually a really a real person who actually died from that. 
Like, and the thing I liked about it, they open up with the film Cocaine Bear, and they basically his body lands in <coughs> he he uh, his body lands in Knoxville, Tennessee, and he's and this was where uh, they show they go back and find old clips footage from the eighties of ABC News and everything, and they show it was actually a real thing. And I'm thinking, oh my god, that really was a real person. And then and then they go to fast forward in 1985 to. Uh, Bob, you see Bob. You meet this local tech named Bob, who is played by, who is played by Isaac Wicklock Jr. And I was trying to think of where I've seen him before. I didn't look up his Wikipedia stuff, but he's been around a little bit. And you know, he's like, um, <clears throat> and um, he's, um, you know, he's sitting, he's chasing, he's he sees the body or whatever they and they. They find who it is, and he he is sitting there thinking it has to come from the, the, the St. Louis drug kingpin named Sid White, who was played by Ray Liotta, to the point where I was sitting there like, okay, so we're going to stretch this story out just a little bit now. They're going to go with this whole thing. And they're looking, they're looking, they're looking. And uh, he goes, <clears throat> and, you know, the, he's t- talking to, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm trying to think of the name, but he's talking to a uh, one of his uh, detectives, and um, he's talking to one of the detectives, and basically, um, <clears throat> God, I am under the weather today, guys. I don't know what's going on with me, but obviously, he says Sid or whatever and everything else, and they jump back and forth, and I and I went and saw this movie a couple nights ago, so I'm trying to remember everything. I should have took notes, but I did. I, I saw it obviously. Where they go back, you you go and you you fast forward. You go to St. Louis, Missouri, and you see O'Shea Jackson Jr. Uh, Ice Cube's son walk in. He's going to meet up with Sid White, who is um, who is played by Ray Leo, like I said. And they're at a they're at a they um, they're at a like like a like a Chuck E. Cheese or something like that, hanging out. And Sid is, uh, he's upset because the, the dope got lost the way it did. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And you find out that Sid's son, Eddie, is, he's watching Eddie's kid, and Eddie had a bad breakup with a woman or something to the point where, um, um, what what's going on, blah, blah, blah. But I also forgot to mention the first thing you see of this bear the first thing you see when it opens up, you meet these two hitch these two people that are hitchhiking in the the, the Chattahoochee Ocean National Forest, which is in north northern Georgia. Beautiful, beautiful land, by the way. And they're taking pictures, and they see American black bear. And basically, they they find this bear, and this bear is like acting all funny and goofy, and he starts headbutting this thing, and you you're wondering like what's going on. And immediately, me and AJ start laughing because you know what's going to happen. And basically, the bear attacks Elza and Olfla, these two hitchhikers, that's what their names, kills Elza, and Olfla runs away, gets away. And you see the bear is literally, like, he's he. you can tell he sneezes, and he has residue of cocaine on his nose. So that's how you open the film up. So they go back. As I go back, as I skipped over that, we also see a scene where we go, we meet the middle schooler, Dee Dee, who's with her mom, Sarah, who's played by Carrie, Rus- Carrie Russell, and she's a nurse. And you can tell that they have a little, she's a single mom working in nursing or whatever. And I will admit this too, 
they have a really they do a really really good job of making this feel like an 80s film there's not you don't see a lot of the towns or anything it's strictly dead body a little bit of st louis but you don't see a city and you see um <clears throat> you see the mount the chattahoochee the chattahoochee okay natural forest the mountains you don't see nothing else you don't see a, you see a couple highways here and there but nothing else and basically of course um you know, Dee Dee is a, she's a very interesting kid because you can tell her and her mother get along, but they're both very similar. But Dee Dee's also at that age where she's 12 years old and she's experiencing like, you know, she talks back to her mom, but not in a way. And she's very funny with it, very humorous. So I was like, okay, you can see the relationship. And then Sari talking about she's going to pick up extra, um, extra shifts and stuff and this whole other stuff. And then, um, we go back and you see O'Shea Jackson Jr. and I forget his his character name. Excuse me, David walks in and he finds Henry at uh, excuse me Eddie at a bar and Eddie's eating some pasta and he's he's got this girl's tattoo name tattooed on his chest but it says John or whatever. So he goes and David's he's being funny saying, "Well, we can you know we can just get covered." He goes, "I gotta wait six days or whatever." So Eddie's kind of you know he's in a he's his heart's broken. Everything else, blah, 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 blah. And then we jump back to, I believe at this point, this is where we jump back and as I take a drink of my tea, we jump back and you see Dee Dee is that she's leaving and she meets her best friend, Henry, another a, a local kid out of there. And they got, he, Dee Dee's got, I mean, George, Henry's, this little boy, man. He's tuning up that accent real high, that Jordan accent, that Georgia accent's real high pitch, and he's trying to figure out what he's about. And of course, you got Sari, who's a, um, you know, <clears throat> you know, Dee Dee is, and then they're like, right, we're going to skip, they skip school together, and he shows off, and I thought Henry had a championship belt he got. She goes, how much that cost? He goes, all it costs me thousands of dollars. You know, just lying, you know, he can just tell the kids lying, he's just trying to be being funny. And of course, um, they're going to head down to the uh, the river and the forest, and they're going to paint the wa- the fo- waterfalls because she is an artist; she likes to paint. Then you go back, you see that um, David is on the phone. Or David David is on the phone with Rayler, and they're going down there to find Knox. They're going to Knoxville, Tennessee, to find out where it was dropped because they found the body of Andrew C. Uh, C. Norton there. So they were like, "Okay, we've seen his body. It's got to be somewhere in Knoxville, somewhere down there." So they find out. They go to the forest. They go and they're on the way to the, the national forest where everybody says it, it possibly landed. So as it goes on, the story you see that uh, Dee Dee, uh, you go back to the house. Sari is home. She's taking a shower. She looks tired. She's wore out, and she goes to lay down. And the phone rings, and, and she jumps. She finds out it's I guess it's Henry's mother, grandma, or something. She calls, and is like. Have you seen him or whatever? And she goes, they should be at school. She calls school. They're not there. And then she looks outside. She goes, I know where they are. She signs a book bag. She's seen that they left. She knew they go to the forest. So she gets on her bike on this hill and she drives down this hill. Because their, their house is kind of like a cabin, sort of. It's on a hill. And it looks like it, you don't see much of that. You just see what their house. You don't see what the town or anything else. And then also, <clears throat> you go down. They go down the hill. And... You know, Sari's, as Sari, she leaves, we go back to the forest where basically Dee Dee and Henry are walking around and they are like going through things, finding stuff, they go to eat something and they pick up 
a brown bag. And he goes, I think this is drugs. They found drugs. This is the scene that I read online that everybody was bitching about. Henry and Didi cut it open and they take their knife and they taste cocaine. And of course, it's been out, whatever. People made a big deal what it is. Um, I will stop and say this. While I get your notion of this scene shouldn't have been in here, this scene should not have been here, it should not have happened, should not have happened, should not have happened. Here's my thing. These weren't kids sitting there taking a line, lining it up with a lining it up, taking a dollar bill and snorting it. These are kids being kids tasting something. I don't care what anybody says. If you were a child, at 10 or 12, 11 or 12 years old, we've all done dumb shit. That's why I was laughing about it. Because we've all done stupid shit at that age. Yeah, I never put I never tasted cocaine at 12 years old, but I'm pretty sure I've done some stupid shit at 12 years old. So can we stop? It's just a movie, guys. It's not teaching your kids to do drugs. It's not teaching teaching your kids to do it's not teaching your kids that at all. So can we stop with this whole fucking notion and just stop and just put pump the fucking brakes and let it go? Jesus Christ. There's more worry, there's more things in this world right now that what's going on with this country it's just like it's it was a funny scene and people are fucking making a big deal about it it's like god damn now also henry in that scene before he goes i've had cocaine before i've done it here and there in every 10 every 12 year boy trying to press a girl has done that because you see that henry kind of has a crush on dd they're best friends but he has a crush on he cares about her so before that, <clears throat> there was a scene where you find out that the uh, detective, Bob, he has a dog and he hands it to, he has this dog, he has this one cop or his uh, somebody watch the dog with him, watch his dog. And I can't remember who, what the girl's name was, who, uh, and it was, I can't understand, I can't, I don't understand if, I can't remember what her name was, but it was, oh, it was, I was, it was, I forget, it was Officer, it was Officer Reba, I just now skipped, he gives her the dog, and she says, you know, this is out of your jurisdiction, you're going all the way up to Georgia for this, so he drives to Tennessee, he's going to drive to Georgia to find, find them, because he got a hunch on it. It's because he's obsessed with this case. As the two girls, and then, then we see that Henry and is Henry and Dee Dee are in the forest. The bear comes up on him, and all you see is the bear sneeze, and cocaine gets all these kids' face, and they take off running, and then you cut up the cut the scene cuts. And then of course we go back. Sari ends up driving, get, pulls up on the, the cabin. She runs into the park ranger I talked about, and this guy, this this wildest activist, Peter, and you could tell she's kind of got a crush on him, and she's trying to hint on what she wants with the guy, and she goes, "I am a park ranger," so she's very funny. She goes, "I got a gun, I can shoot people." Just the way she, her comedy timing was was great. So they decided to go on a trail to find these kids. They're going up the thing, and they're going up the thing. And and I won't apologize. I just realized something. Eddie's son, uh, since son Eddie, who's with Daveed going to Georgia, uh, his wife didn't leave him. She died. So that's what happened. 
And there's also relations with Sid and Eddie. You can tell Sid is all about business, making money, the drugs. He don't give a shit about his family, personally. So that, I want to point that out. But as they they go back, um, the door is locked as the park ranger, Ed, uh, Peter, and Siri, uh, Siri leave. Siri leave. They um, they pull up. David and Eddie pull up, and they walk in trying to. Uh, they walk in trying to get get a hold. David says, "I'm gonna go use the bathroom. I'll be right back." And then they run into what they run into, and you've heard um, the park ranger talk about this gang called the, the Gups Gang. These 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 three teenage doings that just going to cause trouble in the forest. And one of the members named Stash. Uh, Stash ends up stabbing David, and David ends up whooping their ass. But he had this beautiful white jersey on, and he's got the, the original white Air Jordan ones on, and he's pissed because it stabbed him in his back. So he's bleeding, and he t- and <clears throat> they find out David asks Stash, "Where's the the stuff? Do you know where it is?" And he goes, "Yes, I know where it is." And he basically threatens them either I'm gonna do I'm gonna shoot you if you don't take me. So they have somebody in the trailer. Then we go back, and they go through the forest. Siri hears Henry screaming with the park ranger Peter, and they take off running. They take off running. They see Henry's up in the air and goes, there's a big black fucking bear. She goes, what? Funny, funny. He goes, there's a big black fucking bear. And then the bear comes out of nowhere. He bites the park ranger on the ass. And then he fucking ends up killing Peter. And what happens is Peter, as Peter gets away from him, he falls into a thing of cocaine and he climbs up a tree. And what happens is Somehow, someway, the bear gets knocked. He, the bear's chasing Henry, and all of a sudden, Peter sneezes, and the, the bear, the, the cocaine triggers the bear, and the bear goes up there, and he starts just biting the living shit out of Peter, and basically kills Peter. Now, here's my first negative of the film. While the CGI on the bear is really good, the the blood effects in this, you can tell, were CGI. I'm just not a fan of that, man. I'm just, I don't like, horror films is the one thing the one friend, the one genre of films that needs practical effects more than CGI, and that's just what it is. Um, so you know, Siri ends up sorry, excuse me, and Henry end up taking off running in the forest, and they're trying to find, and they're trying to find Dee Dee, and she goes, she asks Henry, "Where's Dee Dee?" She goes, "She took off that way," and they leave. They go looking for, her, obviously. While that's going on, you see that that David. And um, uh, Eddie with Stash are walking through the force. And they're playing this weird game where Stash is playing around with him being funny, trying to be talking. And you can tell Stash likes, he cares about people and he cares about what's going on. And while that's going on, <clears throat> um, we go back to the, um, we go back to the, the cabin. And the park ranger's got a bite out of her ass. And she's like, she pulls up and she sees the, the two, the two gang, the two parts of the gang that got beat up. And she goes, uh, the cop, the cops are on the way. Goes, yeah, the cops are on the way. And of course, the bear ends up getting in there, ends up getting in there, and he commences to fucking these kids up. And the funny scene was, the bear was at the door. The park ranger opens the door, and she fires a trigger. She ends up shooting one of the game members' head, like a funny comedy kill. And the bear gets in there, and whatever. And while that happens, you find out that, like I said, the the whole thing's going on. Fast forward, these two ambulance people, these, these this ambulance pulls with these two 
medical personnel are pulling up and they're going there to check on people and they can't get in the they can't get in the door because the guy that got shot in the head is laying flat on the door like right in front of the door so they get in there they see what's going on she's looking around and they see the park ranger the park ranger can't even get a word out so she's, the, the one lady takes a telescope she's testing her heart see if she was going on to hear her heartbeat and as soon as as soon as the, the guy goes to open this back door she goes in the microphone like that right and they go up you see the bear with the blood and he's like looking at him and he'll shut the door and the bear comes in and he knocks the bear the, the, he knocks it <clears throat> he, he knocks him down the door they're trapped they're trying to get out they're getting out she's the, the lady the ambulance driver starts up the ambulance next thing you know the guy the bear sees a duffel bag and he goes crazy and it's, it's coke he goes in the bag trying to get away the, the ambulance drivers take off running and this is probably the funniest scene in the whole damn movie so, as the ambulance driver's going, you've seen the commercials, the bear running up on him, and <laughs> the park ranger's going, I'm going to shoot the son of a bitch, asshole. But she's trying to shoot him, and the bear gets in there, and he comes in there, and he causes a wreck. He kills the mail driver. The, the The car wreck causes the woman who's driving the ambulance, the, the driver of the ambulance, to fly through the, the, uh, the crash tree and fly through it. And, of course, the, uh, the park ranger... It's on a stretcher. She's tied up upside down. Her face hits the ground, and she just she suddenly dies. So yeah. Now we go back, and as Sari as Sari and Henry are walking, uh, find Dee Dee. They are Dave and Eddie end up going to a, a gaboos a gaboozle, which is basically like a like an area where, in the middle of the forest, there's like a park bench or somewhere you can hang out at. And they go there, and they find the. Uh, Bob was already Bob had already arrived and found the cocaine. He's up on the thing, and the him, him and, and Bob, and Bob and Devon get Devon get I can't even say his name, but oh, um, Ice Cube's kid are in a stand with a gun, and he ends up shooting Ice Cube's pinky and middle finger off. I don't know how, but it was a it was a scene where it's like how, and you hear Stash go, how did he shoot those two fingers off? And now they're a stand with. Then the bear shows up, and the bear falls, and as as Eddie and um, as Eddie and um, Stash on the ground, the bear just falls down on top of Eddie. And it's a funny scene where you're laughing, yada yada yada. The bear or whatever. Finally, the bear wakes up and he starts dancing with Eddie, being funny. Next thing you know, Bob throws the cocaine down. The bear gets attracted to the cocaine and he takes off. They're at a stalemate, and all of a sudden, as Bob is trying to, he said, I'm going to arrest you guys, blah, blah, blah. What's going on? Sid is arrived, and he shoots the guy with a sniper. Shoots Sid. And he falls down on top of the caboose. Then you find out, as you see what happens, The uh, this is where it doesn't understand with me. Like They got some good comedy lines in this. They mix in, but here's the scene that, that does not make sense. Officer Reba shows up. She shows up. And literally. She reveals that she's been working with Sid. And Sid this whole time. And it just didn't make sense. Like there was no hunch. There was no hearing. And it wasn't like one of those like oh shit. It was more like what the fuck. That shit don't make sense. So that was another thing I didn't like about it. Then they go to the cave. Siri and Henry find the cave. They find the they're on the way to find Dee Dee, and they show us a scene where Dee Dee is hiding in this cave. As they go, they run to Olaf, the who is who is out in the forest, 
And he's like, you need to find, do you need to find, you want to find, I know where she is. Which may, another thing, like he saw this little girl, you think, why would he be hired out in the forest? Why would he not be in the cave hiding? Like, this is another thing I don't understand. And of course, um, the, they get to their, Dee Dee's hiding place, they find her. And you, I, at first, I put this in the negative on my Facebook group, but you hear Olaf leave and you hear him scream in the background. So I guess basically the bear got him. So, the bear ended up, They, f- the bear has two cubs in it, and they're rolling this bag of coke as well. The bear comes back to the cave, and Sarah Dede, uh, are leaving, and of course we have a standoff on, on the cliff with Eddie, Dave, uh, and um, Eddie, Dave, and what's his name? Um, uh, um, Sid. They're all ha- like, and they're on the standoff. And you see how Sid's kind of bully. He's kind of wants like all he wants is the money. They have a standoff where they get into it, and he shoots David in his. Uh, David gets David gets shot in his neck. The bear gets shot, and when that happens, somehow, some way, the the everybody jumps in the water. The cocaine is cut, but the cocaine gets cut, and the bear it hits the bear and he comes back to life, and he kills Sid. And Sid falls to his death. And you wake up there like, basically, uh, Ice Cube's son's bleeding from his neck. He's going to die. And you wake up to basically, it goes to a pitch black screen. You realize he's been saved. The nurse, Siri, who's Dee Dee's mom, saves him. Him and Eddie leave. They, um, the detective, who's a dirty cop, gives him the dog that was Bob's. And they leave. And that's the end of the movie. Basically, the end of it. While this is going to be a film that I, as I'm talking about this, and I'm I'm all over the place with guys because I'm trying to remember a lot for it. And I've had a busy, I, I was originally going to come here Monday and record, but I'm going to record on Tuesday. That's why I'm all over the place. But I just give you key points of the film that I remember. It's it's a lot better than what I'm, I'm telling you guys. And I think that's the issue with this film is like, you got to see it to believe what I'm telling you. Um, I think it's a good film that is going to have a cult following over the years. I mean, it's already, as I look at the box, they made, it was a budget between 30 and 35 million. It's made 28, 28.5 million on an open, and it came out on the 24th. So that's pretty good on the box for a, a, a horror film like this. So I'm going to give you my thing. I thought the atmosphere of it was great. I thought the story was solid, even though they didn't stretch your imagination. Good opening, good casting. My biggest thing is the third act, it loses its stepping with the swerve that there's a dirty cop involved. And just the ending of it is like there's gratification, like where are we going with this? And also it leaves on a cliffhanger that the bear and the cubs are, are gonna attack are high on cocaine, they're gonna attack people now. Even though in the film in the real life story, the bear went on a rampage for like an hour, hour and a half and ended up ended up getting shot or had a or ended up just dying. So that's what that's the whole story with that. So on a scale of one and ten, where am I raking this film? I've said my mixed part part my mixed part on it. How the third act loses his stepping, the negative, the swerve, the fact that you don't get a clear answer that Bob or a loaf are dead, even though they say they are, but we technically you don't really know. And the old loaf character, like, you're out in the middle of the forest. Why are you not gonna go get help? Why are you not trying to run away? Why in the hell? It's just common sense on that thing. And outside of that, though, guys, on a scale of one to ten, I'm gonna give this film a solid eight out of ten. I really think, in my opinion, this is a film that you would have a good time with watching with your family. 
this is a good film to just sit back and enjoy yourself. That's a good film if, like, if you, like, let's be honest, if you were, like, a pothead and you just wanted to laugh your ass off, this is the film to grab. It's It's got some funny elements to it. I would definitely watch it. It's going to be one of those horror films that over the, the horror, horror comedy films of this of this decade, people are going to be like, you remember Cocaine Bear? It was actually pretty solid. It was actually really good. So, 8 out of 10 for Cocaine Bear, and I really mean that. Also, I have a really stupid sense of humor, and so everything I thought in this film was funny. So let's talk about the Jake Roberts documentary. Something that I have watched and I I've always been a Jake Roberts fan. If you don't know me, I am more of a wrestling historian of anything else. Horror films, I'm very passionate about music, sports, but wrestling's always been one of my passions in my life that I've always loved. As a kid, I loved wrestling. I still love wrestling. Even if I have issues with it to this day, you've heard me on this app, bitch. You're an app. You've heard me on this podcast, bitch and moan about a lot of things. But I never shied away from what my true passion is. I love professional wrestling with a passion. And this A&E has done these three seasons of dot biographies on, um, on things. And they've done good stuff. I mean, Dark Vice has done some good things with Dark Side Ring and Back to the Territories. Even though Vice goes out of their way sometimes when they shouldn't really do some things they do. But that being said, it's it's still an enjoyable series. So, outside of that, I, I walked into this and I didn't watch it live because I went to the me and my stepson went to the movies that night and girlfriend was at home she wasn't feeling well so I, I said I'll get up that morning and watch it she had to work the following day and I little man go to school so I came home sat down and watched actually I went and ran that I went and ran at the went to the gym and ran and I was on the the, the elliptical and the stairmaster watching it I watched the first 30 minutes of it 30 40 minutes of it then went home and I said, you know, I'm gonna watch it from the beginning to the end. And I gotta admit to you, every time Jake Roberts opens his mouth and tells a story, I am just fascinated by what he talks. Jake is so damn good. And Jake's one of the Jake Roberts is one of the greatest storytellers you would ever hear. The stuff he breaks down, the psychology behind his madness in that way. They highlight things where, you know, Jake is, you know, they highlight about his childhood and how he grew up. And I want to start with that intro. The intro to this thing, him talking about being a villain and how he was and highlighting Bret Hart saying there ain't too many villains better than Jake Roberts. And I'll be honest, I sat back and think about it. I mean, Jake Roberts is probably a top three to five villain in the history of professional wrestling. That says a lot. There have been a lot of great villains. I mean, Roddy Piper was good. The Sheik. Abdul the Butcher. I mean, there's a lot of history of villains. But Jake was... in. Diamond Dallas Page said Jake was the very first anti-hero. Jake Roberts was before Stone Cold Steve Austin, an anti-hero. The Undertaker, an anti-hero. Um, the Rock is really an anti-hero. Like he was the first. Well, I, I, Rock was back and forth, but I, I think I'll take back the anti-hero. But out of those two guys, like Taker and Steve Austin, are the two guys that solidified that that era of anti-heroes. Jake was before anybody. You go back and watch Jake Roberts' promos, even when he was a babyface or a heel, his promos never changed. His tone never changed. His work never changed. Roberts, um, Roberts was basically uh, he was an antihero. He was Jake was very dark and sadistic by the way he talked. I mean, you hear a promo. They, they did some promo highlights in this of his promos talking about. He said, "You look behind this man's cold eyes, and they are colder as the black as my heart is," or something like that. But the, the way he delivered and said it, he was a babyface, a good guy. 
saying this. Or talking about, he goes, why do I hurt people? Why get off on it? I mean, back in the 80s, saying that, people are like, well, nowadays, you're like, oh my gosh, he gets off on it. People were mortified by that. And also, it helps that he had the greatest, and I really thought about this. Peter Rosenberg, who's a massive wrestling fan, he's just, I love Rosenberg. I'm more a fan of him than um, the guy, Sam, what's his name? Not, nothing to take away from him, but I just like Peter's opinions more. And Peter told the story about, I can make an argument that Jake Roberts DT is the greatest finishing move in professional wrestling. And I literally paused and thought about it. And I, you know what? I got to admit, if it ain't the greatest, it's top three. I mean, the Stone Cold Stunner, Goldberg's Jackhammer, the DDT, the Jake, Jake invented that move. That move is now a high spot, basically. Everybody kicks out of it, which I, is so stupid. I think if you give that move to the right person, nobody gets up from that DDT. If you give it, that DD, a DDT is a simple move. If it when it's done right, when it is done right, you cannot. I mean, seriously, think about that. A DDT is a simple move. It can, you can use it. You can do an angle with it. You can do an angle where you can put somebody out with it. You can do a big finish with it. You can win a. You can win matches with it. I mean, it's a quick, subtle move. It's bam, 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 go. It's it's a simple move that you can hit on anybody with anybody with it. Think about that. And Jake is. Uh, the guy that invented that, and he came up with the name from Rat Poison. That's the name of a Rat Poison. DDT was outlawed, and he thought oh, that's a cool name, and he went with it. Um, they highlight Jake's. Um, they also highlight of uh, Jake's childhood, and if anybody, and this is going to get a little graphic. So if you don't want to hear stuff about molestation by kids being molested, you might want to turn this off. Jake is Ray was raised by was his father was Grizzly Smith. Uh, um, Ariel Smith Sr. Jake is Ariel Smith uh, Jr. But uh, his, no, he was known by the, the, by the name Grizzly Smith. Grizzly Smith was a professional wrestler in the 50s and 60s with a, a tag team back then called the Kentuckians. Him and Luke Brown, they were these big, two big country boys. I mean, Grizzly was over, almost seven feet tall and weighed over three, almost 400 pounds. He was a big man. And Grizzly was a, a little bit of a, let's just say, a, He's a very intimidating individual. Also, he liked to uh, do things like, for example, this is how Drake found out he was conceived. And this is going to get graphic, and you might want to turn this off. Grizzly was Jake dating Jake's grandmother at the time. Well, Jake's grandmother went in the uh, went to pass went, went to sleep. Grizzly went into. Jake's mother's room and raped her and got her pregnant. Problem was when I said grandmother, listen to this, Chrissy. Jake's um, Jake's uh, mother was 12 years old. Yeah. Yeah. There's a dark side of Ring episode that can go more than Grizzly Smith, but Jake had a lot of childhood trauma from that. He also had childhood trauma from an abusive stepmother that would... Make force him to have sex with her, and then beat him with clothes hangers and wires. So Jake's got Jake's got some issues, man. He's been through some shit. Um, Jake also talks about you know outside that. If you want to know more about Grizzly Smith, Vice TV has an ep- a season called Dark, a show called Dark Side of the Ring. It's on Hulu. Hulu Vice TV. It's season three. It's like the it's an episode called about it's about Grizzly Smith, and they talk. There's more. T- they talk way more about it and the effects it had on their kids. The kids. 
Jake talked about how he gets started in wrestling. Talked about, you know, you know, his run in the WWF. They talked about, you know, his the three feuds he's known for, the the Ricky the Dragon Steamboat feud, the Macho Man, King Cobra angle where the, he put the King Cobra on and bit him, and the feud with The Undertaker. They talk about that. They uh, they talk about Jake leaving and his life getting out of control with his marriage and then coming back in the middle of the 90s, and he got, got fired. He got released, and he went back on his drug pension. He lost everything he had. He went crazy. They talk about Jake, you know, Jake being on drugs and alcohol and just losing his, you know, just lost everything. And then, of course, you know, that happened. And they talk about, you know, they show the famous footage of him in Cleveland when he showed up to a, a show so drunk, like he he couldn't even function. He could not even function. There was also a, you know. They talk about, you know, just Jake looked like he, it was like, of all, Jake told Strumbo, I took 100 volumes and thought I was going to die. I tried to kill myself like more time, more times than ever. Woke up, I puked. I woke up in a bed of my own puke. I guess the puke saved my life. <laughs> Jay, and Jake kind of chuckled at it, you know. And it's just like, God, man. You, then And then we get, to, we get to see Diamond Dallas Page come into his life. And I recommend this. Resurrection of Jake the Snake Roberts is a documentary that DDP produced and it's one of the best documentaries you will ever see. It's it's footage of DDP going to see Jake and getting Jake going to see Jake and getting Jake back on track. And Jake looks amazing and, and it shows Jake the, the progress he went through and how bad he was and how upset he was and his body was beat up and he's R3K moving now. Fast forward 10 years later, you know, He's healthy. He looks great. He's sober for ten years now, and he—he's he, ama- It's great to see Jake like this. Um, the best thing of, and I, you know, I remember when this whole that whole thing was going down with Jake, and I remember following it because I I wanted Jake to because of all the wrestlers I've heard about that you hear wrestling fans community have joked about this, and I don't care you can die on one. We talk about. You know, we used to say because a lot of wrestlers die because of the, the 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 what they do, how they beat themselves up and stuff, and that that the the schedule they did back in the seventies and the eighties and nineties is just insane. I wish some more of them were around now, but um, they we all people just joked. They said, of all the guys, why is Jake still alive? Because we everybody knows how much shit Jake's done in his life. You know, and. You know, God works in mysterious ways sometimes. And uh, I remember when that whole thing, when Jake was getting right, he moved in with DDP, and DDP got him right, man, and got him, got him sober and got him right. And he, Jake looks, Jake looks incredible compared to what he looked when he looked when he started this journey ten years ago. And you know, I see him on AEW television. He's managing Lance Archer, and they didn't talk about that obviously, but they, you know, he's. You know, he got inducted in the Hall of Fame in 2014, which I watched live that night, and I was so happy for Jake. God, I was so happy he got inducted. And, you know, he's got a podcast that I, I listen to weekly that I like, and Jake is going to be at Days of the Dead convention here in Indianapolis, and I'm going to I'm gonna do everything I can to go see him and get his autograph and to get a picture with him. because I, 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 That's one thing. I missed out on Kevin Ash and Scott Hall, and Scott Hall, unfortunately, is no longer with us. I missed out, missed out on Sid Hag and Captain Spaulding being here and he died obviously a year later 
I'm not missing out on Jake Roberts. I got I, I, this. Is a bad trend. I gotta go. So, if you're not a wrestling fan, if you're not a fan in general, and I want to before I get to that, you interview Jake's kids, and you could tell the trauma they've dealt with this, and how happy their dad is. And Jake made it clear: I've got eight kids. Four of them want something to do with me, and four of them don't want nothing to do with me. And plain and simple, it's one of the deals where it's like, wow. You know, and he said in his back where he goes, I'm not mad at him. I understand why. I just want to let him know I love you and it's my fault. And you can tell Jake is sorry. He's he's getting his relationship he's getting his relationships right. They they show footage beyond the Matt film where his daughter, um, God, what's her name? She talked about on the way to the airport, to you know, on our way to the airport, he smoked crack the entire time. Or something like that. It was just like, God, Jake. Um it was uh you know, but he's, you know, he talks about it. And I'm going to play some highlights of you from Jake. That's before I, I'm going to give you a quick review on this. If you're not a fan of wrestling, even if you're not, just watch the documentary. You can go on the man on a and a and and watch it. Just give it an opportunity and just sit down and watch it. I beg of you because it's one of those films that I truly, or documentaries that I truly wish people understand. Like, you will watch this and understand why wrestling fans love this and people laugh at us and I get it I don't give two shits I am a fan and I will be a fan until they put me in the ground and I ain't gonna change that if you watch this documentary you will sit there and find yourself really really enjoying it to the point I was like this is why you love fan and at the end of this my dad even watched the documentary dad texts me he goes I pray to God that Jake Roberts stays sober because man he's got some demons that's a good documentary Jake has gotten his life together he looks really good I'm happy for him and it's just great to see. And Jake Roberts is one of those guys. He's very entertaining. He's sadistic in the way he talks. So what I'm going to do here, guys, I'm going to pull some Jake Roberts promos. And I'm going to play some Jake stuff. And this is just the way he talked. He talked. You can go just search Jake Jake Roberts promos. And here's one he does. It's titled, Best Promos Jake Roberts. We all do things differently. I'm going to turn the volume down so just in case advertisements come on. Yep, they're just the perfect time advertisements. And here we go. Jake Roberts, best promos. We all do things differently. And commentators. Thank you, Gorilla Monsoon. Now, ladies and gentlemen, many events that occur here in the World Wrestling Federation have fans the world over talking about it. But I don't think anyone had wrestling fans more disgusted than what you, Jake the Snake Roberts, did to Ricky the Dragon Steamboat from behind on Saturday night's main event. Don't you realize, up until Steamboat, they were all open-hand material, just little boys to play with. Uh, Up. Jake Roberts, let me ask you this. I agree with you. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat was the toughest competition you faced here in the World Wrestling Federation. But that was the moment you chose to come up from behind before the match started. Perhaps you were afraid of meeting any real competition face-to-face. You're saying that I'm afraid? You know something? Sometimes it's better to remain quiet and be thought a fool than it is to speak up and erase all doubt. And Steamboat, you made a mistake by turning your back on me because I don't play no games. I don't have to play games. I don't have to watch games because I can control this sport with one move. DDT. You've seen what Steamboat looks like. Black eyes, everything, head swelling up. Looks like the elephant man. That's because you administered it to him on the concrete It doesn't floor. matter. The bottom line in this sport is winners and losers. I never have been a loser. Great. Because winning is the only thing that fills the pockets. And that's what this sport's about. 
Do you understand that? I understand, but I understand many men can make the same claim, but none of them have had to resort to behind-the-back sneak attacks, administering holes like the DDT on a man on a concrete floor. We all do things differently. I make my own rules, because it's much easier that way. Now, as far as Damien goes, that's just part of the intimidation thing that I do. Because if you're thinking about the snake, then you're not thinking about me. And when you don't think about me, well, why don't we ask Ricky Steamboat? I doubt you have heard the end of one Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. That's just one problem. That's Jake talking about Ricky Steamboat when he DDT'd him on the concrete floor. Just little things like that. Jake is so subtle and just Jake don't got to yell or anything, man. He don't have to yell or anything. Here's one he did on The Ultimate Warrior. Shocking indeed. I can't possibly imagine That's mean, Gene, what kind of people. an explanation we should expect this week from Jake the Snake Roberts. Let me relay a little story to you so maybe you'll understand exactly where I'm coming from. Once upon a time, there's a little rabbit hopping down a trail. And he looks out onto the roadway and a snake had been crushed by a car. Nearly dead, but not quite. And the rabbit hopped out. And he looked down at the snake and he said, Snake, I know you're hurt badly, and, and I'm going to take you back to my den and help you, and, and I'm going to nurse you back to health. And the snake said, oh, no, you can't do that. I'm a snake. I'm a snake. You can't do that. No, but I'm going to make you my friend, Mr. Snake. So he did. He carried that snake back to his den, put him in his den, and slowly but surely he did nurse him back to health, just like the rabbit said he would. And one day the rabbit went out for more food more water for the snake. snake was gone he turned around and there was the snake in front of him and the snake said mr rabbit i am going to eat you and the rabbit said oh no i'm your friend and the snake said in the very beginning <laughs> i told you i was a snake and you ultimate warrior have to be the biggest dumbest rabbit i've ever seen where does this guy get off? I don't have a clue. So right there, that that's when Jake Roberts turned heel on on um, the Ultimate Warrior. You know, little things like this. Here's another one. Jake talks about being the innovator. And, of course, advertisements will come up on that. Thank you very much. Lord have mercy. All right. I got this video and one more to show you guys, play you guys, and then I'm gonna get right to it. Because I know I'm doing my job right when I do that, you see. Look at the way I handle Ricky Steamboat. You know, a fluke is one thing, but when I drop somebody on the floor, or I drop them in the ring, they don't get up. One simple move, it takes a split second to do DDT, that's what it's called, and I'm not afraid of anybody. Nobody. You bring on George Steele, too. You bring on a Tito Santana if you want to. You bring on anybody you want. Coco, beware. Frankie, beware. That bird he comes around with. What a silly little thing that is. You bring Frankie, beware, around that snake, my man, and Frankie be gone soon. That's the kind of guy I am. I'm the kind of guy right now, if I needed to sneeze, I'd use your hand. <laughs> That's the kind of guy I am. So it doesn't matter to me if I'm going to be wrestling, George. Deal, or I wouldn't even mind crossing the fence because I have no friends in this business. This is a business to me. I take it as a business. 
And it's serious business. And I'm talking about perhaps becoming a champion. May I inquire as to uh, which, perhaps, championship belt you have your sights on? Let's just say the Intercontinental Championship is on my mind. And the reason it is, is because once you have that, then Hogan is right there. You got him anytime you want. So, Macho Man, just something to think about, my man. Could you handle a snake? <laughs> I don't know why. Could you? Yeah, that's 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 just simple whatever. So I'm gonna play this last video for you guys, and I'm gonna play the audio. This is where Jake Roberts debuts in WCW, and he uh, attacks Stink. This is a popular video. It's on YouTube. It's it's titled Jake Roberts debuts WC, WCW, a August eighth, nineteen ninety two. This hat video came out seven years ago, and it's a recap of footage between a U.S. title match tag. A U.S. title match between Ravish Recruit and Nikita Koloff and Jim Ross and Bill Watts give you the breakdown of what happens and it shows Jake Sting and it involves Sting. So let's just play this video for you guys and let's get this And Bill, it went downhill from there. It certainly did. Everybody that's ever been in sports knows it's emotional. You've got to be emotional and passionate about your sport. Sting should have stayed there and commentated with you. He went to help his friend and it cost him his shot at the world's title. Fans, the reason Sting went to the ring was because Nikita Koloff was being doubled up by Cactus Jack. And then Jake the Snake Roberts made his appearance known. Here's what happened. Rude in serious trouble. And his championship hangs in the balance. Koloff. Is There's that power. power.
play the last clip of this with Jake. I told you this, but Jake has a promo that he does later in the show talking about why he did this to Sting. And advertisement happens again. Uh, Saturday night, Jim Ross back with you. At this point in time, I'd like for you to listen to some comments made earlier this week. With Jesse the Body Ventura and Jake the Snake Roberts. Why did Jake the Snake Roberts return to WCW? More importantly, why did he assault the Stinger? Perhaps Jesse the Body Ventura could get to the bottom of this situation. This is a very, very unique conversation. Listen very closely. You know, everybody thinks and everybody knows that Jesse the Body Ventura is slightly partial towards reptiles. And we all know that the holiday season generally comes in the winter time. But not so for Jesse the Body this time. The holiday has arrived in the middle of the red hot summer. And the holiday to me is the arrival of one of my favorite reptiles, Jake the Snake Roberts. That's very kind words, Jesse. You know, I'm getting a lot of flack. Everybody wants to point a finger and say, why could you do that? How did you do that? Why did you do that? Why did you get Cactus Jack involved? Well, let me tell you this. Nobody points a finger at the brave hunter that goes out and sits in a deer stand, drops a little salt around the tree. Then when the dumb deer comes prancing up there, he, he points that gun right down there and blows his brains out. Nobody points a finger at him. And that's all I've done. I baited a hook so the fish would chew, and that's exactly what he did. He looked good, though, didn't he? He came down there and just kicked up on everybody going to be a star. 
Let me tell you something. The reason I did this is because when I was brought into this world, there were people standing over me just like you stand over the children today and telling them that they can get a shot at life. All they got to do is say their prayers, eat their vitamins, and train and be a good little boy. Well, that man that stood over me was my father. Thanks a lot, Dad. You didn't tell me, kids. You got to fight for every bit of it, did you? You want to stand there and let them follow you down this little garden path, man, to where? Tell the kids in L.A. it's a free world. It's easy. Tell the kids in the ghettos it's easy, Sting. It's your cross to bear. When I hung that cross over you, Sting, I'm telling you it's yours to bear. You walk with it a while. I'm tired. I'm tired of standing up trying to do the right thing because there is no right thing. The right thing to do in life, and you well know it, is survival. You know what I loved about it? I love the tears. I love the crying of all the little stingers out there. They're crying and they're complaining because Jake the Snake has arrived. And Sting, you felt the brunt of it. And I don't think, Sting, you're ever going to survive from this one because you've never met a reptile like this man. I will do anything and everything. Expect the unexpected from the snake. Why do I wear this glove? For my own protection. These days, you need protection, man. Whether it's a gun in a pocket or whatever it takes, you got to be protected at all times. Sting, you just had a little taste, and believe me, brother, I've got a thirst that cannot be quenched and a hunger that will not be satisfied. I am going to make your life one living hell. I hope you're watching out there, Sting, because the message is crystal clear to you, and it's coming down in the form of a snake. So, in closing about... In closing on the whole... In closing on Jake Roberts, it's just a guy like him, you know, it's always that saying... It's always that saying that there's. It's always that saying that uh, you know, give somebody their flowers before they're gone. And Jake's getting his recognition now, and I'm happy for him. So that being close, if you're even not even a wrestling fan, watch that documentary on A and E. They got China coming out this week. They're doing one on her, and I just gotta stay for the, from whatever. That is really, in my opinion. <clears throat> A good, that's how you with Jake. That's how a good documentary is made. Just plain and simple as I'm losing my train of thought. So the main of so I gave you the entree. I mean, I gave you the appetizer. I gave you the entree. Now let's give you the dessert. So Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury. I did not watch this live once again. However, I did get on. I found a link online and I watched it the following day. And a lot of people were saying Jake Paul got robbed. Blah blah blah. Whatever. I will state this. I think the right guy won. Tommy Fury won the fight. I thought he won the fight. I don't understand where the judges felt that, you know, you know, I look at this boxing scene thing. This is boxingscene.com for the scorecard. They gave 76 uh, 76-73 Fury over Paul. In the eighth round, I thought Jake Paul dropped Tommy Fury and should have won that round. I thought he won the round. I, I thought he won round eight. I had it. I had it seventy four. Um, I had it. I had it. <clears throat> I had it seventy five, seventy four. Fury. I really believed that. I had it like that. Um, I thought Fury won the fight. 
Um, I thought Fury was more aggressive. I thought he did a better job. I think that Jake Paul did not throw enough punches for one. I think he was trying to knock Fury out. If he went in there and just tried to box with Tommy Fury, I think he would have done a much better job because there was times where Jake was getting close, like he was going to try go for a, uh, he was trying to go for a, a power a power right hook or throw a, a, a left jab or just anything. He was trying to throw a, 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 a power punch, and Tommy would counter with three or four punches. It's just, it just you can't do that. And I think Jake Paul got schooled a little bit. He, Jake Paul is very talented. I think he, he, he takes this serious and he does a good job. But I will state this: Tommy Fury beat Jake Paul. He, he, you know, whatever. Good, good. You beat Jake Paul. But if anybody in their right mind thinks Tommy Fury is ready in his division to be somebody, I'm gonna pull. You know, everybody talks about Jake Paul's, Jake Paul's record and. Um, uh, who he fought. I want to show you Tommy Tommy Fury's record. I'm going to pull this up here. This is on boxrec.com. Tommy Fury is 23 years of old. He's 6 feet tall. He's 183 pounds. So he's had 9 bouts. He's fought, he's fought, and he's fought 32 rounds. Here are the guys he's fought. His first fight was in Manchester, England. He fought, I can't say the guy's name, but the guy has 10 wins, 102 losses, and 3 draws. He fought another guy, Kalaman Adi. Zero wins, 26 losses, 2 decisions. He fought Pressami, I can't say the name. 2 wins, 26 losses. Gene Yvonne, 0 wins, 11 losses. Scott Williams, 0 wins, 9 losses. Jordan Grant, 2 wins. He beat him and... Um, he beat Jordan Grant, who had two wins. He beat Anthony Taylor, who had one win. He beat uh, uh, no wins, excuse me. He beat a Daniel Boxman, who was actually a tough fire, beat him 10 to 1, who had lost. I'm not the only one that feels like if Eric, there's some people saying Tommy Fury can really box, man. He can really box. He's really good. Like he had, you know, that Fury gene runs well. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to take this right here, right now. On Boxer, you see he's a star and a half rating boxer. They know what he is. Tommy Fury is, you think he's going to go in 183 in those divisions and fight some light heavyweights or some cruiserweights that are worth it? Tommy Fury ain't ready for that. He needs he needs about five or six more fights before we can get serious. So we pump the fucking brakes on that. Okay? Look, I'm not taking anything away from the UFC or whatever, but the UFC, UFC fighting and, and boxing is just two different things. You can get by with some things in the UFC. In boxing, you will get exposed real fucking quick in this. Oh, well, the competition you faced. So, can we pump the fucking brakes on Tommy Fury being somebody now? I will state this. If they do have a rematch with him and Jake Paul, I'm not excited about it. I really don't care about it, to be honest with you. I think Tommy Fury is uh, is going to be one of those guys you look at the next four or five years like, oh, journeyman, probably forgotten about. I don't, I don't see anything special about him or anything else. I think he's – but I like to see somebody's got to put pressure on Tommy Fury and nobody's done that yet. And that's coming because somebody's going to fight him eventually. He's going to fight somebody. He's going to find out. Now let's talk about um, let's talk about the thing I was going to. Now before I get to, I was I teased some other things to talk about. Let's talk about Jake Paul. Do I think Jake Paul's done in boxing? Hell no. I think Jake Paul is a draw right now, and I think he's still hot. I think him and Tommy. I would give myself a win 
and then go fight Tommy Fury again. Jake did say in the interview, go, I got sick in camp. It wasn't a great, it wasn't my best performance, but I didn't get the win. You know, it is what it is. I'm like, whatever. Now, Tommy did give Jake Paul credit. He gave Jake Paul credit or whatever, too, as well. I think that's cool. But I will, cool. But I always say this I am sort of a Jake Paul and Logan Paul fan. I, res- I, I think they take, they're not one of these, these YouTubers that take this shit. Un, not serious or whatever. These guys take it serious. They train and they work their asses off. I could tell. I watch Logan Paul in WWE. You watch Logan Paul's work ethic in WWE. He works his ass off. And I think Logan likes it more. Logan likes uh, wrestling more than boxing. I really believe it. I think he enjoys it more because more of the storytelling and the art form is more, more for Logan. But that's just my opinion. So what was I going to mention? I mentioned something about the fight. I want to talk about Tyson Fury for a minute. And this is me being me, and I'm gonna piss people off about this, and they're gonna they're gonna roll their eyes. But during the thing, Deontay Wilder was there. They were in Saudi Arabia for this fight. Wilder was there with his wife, and they were walking away. And Tyson Fury saw Deontay yell at Bronze Bomber, Bronze Bomber, and he walked over to Wilder, 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 and they embraced and hugged each other and said hello. And Wilder walked away. And then a reporter walks up to Tyson Fury shortly after that. While Wilder was walking away, he goes, he goes, the reporter asked, I think he asked the question like something similar to like, well, you see you embrace Wilder there. Any hard, is there no hard feelings? Oh, there's hard feelings, you know, but I don't have no hard feelings on my side. He's talked all the trash about me. Look at me, embrace him, hugging him. But, you know, he's a doll, sir, blah, 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 all this whole thing. And I'm sitting there going, you literally just walked up to the man and started a fucking conversation with the guy. You're going to do that? Miss me with that fake shit because I can't. I cannot stand that. I cannot stand that shit. I can't stand that. You're gonna sit there and embrace a guy and then talk shit about him. Like what the fuck? I mean, that's ridiculous. You know, you bring up all these things about you know. You wish the man happy birthday last year. He goes, I wish he would embrace me like I've embraced him. Like, dude, that's the type of shit right there that Paul calls people out. I'm telling you, Trey. I've been saying this shit for four years. Tyson Fury's full of shit. Tyson Fury is full. Of shit. Great heavyweight boxer, but let's be honest, Fury is not the cleanest guy in the world. There's been allegations about Fury before. Do I think he was clean in the the Wilder fights? Yeah, I think he was clean in that. But I think there's some other bullshit about him. I also believe that uh I not tell you another thing. I think the more of the stain I think about Tyson, I can't stand his fucking dad. I don't like John Fury at all. I am not a John Fury fan. John Fury is living vicarious for his sons. You know, you all hear him on the post fight thought about Tommy. Tommy had the whole world against him. He was going to get disowned. He was going to get left to Saudi by his family. And I know it's a gypsy way of living. They live. They are gypsies, the Fury family. But let me tell you something. John Fury is a fucking asshole. John Fury lives vicariously through his sons. And I believe that he lives through his sons. And I'm just not a fan of the guy. The guy acts, everybody acts like John Fury is this big deal. John Fury was a damn journeyman in boxing. A damn journeyman, a solid boxer. I mean, I mean, I could pull John Fury's record for you, because people think John Fury is this this big name guy, and you know this this huge, just this 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 you know this huge things. The man had thirteen fights. He had eight wins and four losses. He had one win by he had one win by a knockout, one win by a decision. He had two. He lost twice by knockout, twice by decision. He had a draw. I mean, yes, I knew the guy. Yes, I, I knew the guy was a. Uh, I knew the guy went to prison, yada yada yada, and you know whatever. 
But let's be 100. Like, stop this whole thing with, oh, he was, these guys saying, oh, John Fury was a good boxer and everything. Bullf- bullshit. The guy had a fucking, was a journeyman in the sport. And, you know, his son, and he's raised two good boys. I mean, his boys are good. Tyson's going to be one of the greatest. Hey, let's go down. And, t- and Tommy Fury has potential, but I don't think he's going to be worth the shit. I think, take that back. I think Tommy will be good, but I think he will get exposed very soon. I'll take that back. So, this whole Fury family, oh, look at them. They're so this. Just shut the fuck up. I swear to God. You got people out here that don't even watch a damn lick of boxing with the fuck that watch boxing in 20 or watch boxing at all talking about this. Tommy Fury is an up and coming prospect that needs, needs to get pressured. He needs to fight somebody that's going to put some pressure on him. Tyson Fury is a great heavyweight, but he's full of shit. He, this whole gumbo, positive, mindful thing, it's, he's full of shit. Tyson Fury is full of shit. And John Fury, Dulcer. Plain and simple. And eh, I just don't like people doing that. I don't like people doing that. And I mean that. I just don't. I think they're whatever. I mean, it's just, I, I don't, I don't understand it, and I don't like it. I don't like people doing that. Now, that being said, previews for next week's show, as of this moment, next week is supposed to be, is going to, next week will be, obviously, this Saturday, March 4th, will be my birthday. I'll be 30 years old. I will have, supposedly, I'm supposed to have a guest on the show for Creed 3. My buddy, Wesley Moore, is coming over. We're going to review Creed 3, and we're going to rate the Rocky franchise as well. That is going to be the T. And we'll talk more about boxing, because he's like me, but he watches a lot of boxing like I do. So we'll talk more about boxing. So I'm going to close the show with this. Recap. Cocaine Bear is a good uh, horror film, that comedy film that you need to take a chance on the scene. Even if you, I do recommend you go to the theaters to support it, but if you don't go to the theaters, wait till it comes on just watch it. The Jake Roberts documentary is on On Demand on A&E. You need to sit down and watch it. And once again, Jake Paul and Tommy Fury was a solid fight by two guys that were not that aggressive. And Tommy Fury showed that he's been in this game a little bit longer and he beat Jake Paul. Tyson Fury's full of shit and I don't like John Fury. There's your recap of the show today. Until next week, just remember, I don't bullshit. I tell it like it is. Straight up. Have a good one, y'all.